Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the State of Us podcast. I'm your host, of course, Emerald Camus Bateman. And today what I want to talk about is sort of the evolution in my music taste and how it might differ from some of the other people that I grew up with or people that are in a that were in a similar sort of socioeconomic bracket and uh, region or just some ways that I feel that I've developed this very broad music taste that I have. And before we get into that, I just want to apologize that this was not out yesterday. Um, I was having some technical difficulties with it. I couldn't sign into Anchor, so that's why it wasn't out yesterday. And then also, tomorrow I'm going to be, that will be Tuesday, I'm going to be doing a quite an extensive review on a lot of things in politics and sort of news with my friend Lucas Rosenfield, the host of the New Normal podcast. So yeah, let's get right into it. So some people that will know me, which isn't actually too many people that would know this, but I didn't actually begin listening to music in any meaningful way or engaging with it until about the age of 12 or 13, which is kind of crazy, actually, because my dad is super into sort of classic rock and that kind of thing, and big U2 fan, and my mom doesn't have a as a specific genre, but definitely someone who enjoys music, but I was sort of raised in my early years to appreciate classical music. I mean, I play two different instruments that you can play classical music on, piano and trombone, and this isn't something that I describe that I liked a lot. It's just sort of the only music that I listened to, which was very rare that I did purposely go listen to music. The other thing, I don't know, I guess some of the other things I jammed out to in my childhood was like those educational CDs that like taught you things. And uh, Jack Johnson, uh, I, I watched the film Curious George when I was when I was probably about seven or eight. And wow, that album has really stuck with me, just the soundtrack to that album. Um, definitely the first the first album that I knew by name and the first artist that I really took a liking to. Uh, in my in my early years, I, I didn't really like what my dad was playing in the car. I wasn't too fond of ACDC or Creedence Clearwater Revival or any of the other bands my dad was playing. But I don't know if that was because I didn't actually like them or I just had something to prove. But so yeah, ab- about, let's see, about the age of 12 or 13 in grade seven or so, I came to a very important milestone in my life where I got my first cell phone. And as many of us that grew up in Cape Town around that time, you might be familiar with the BlackBerry (laughs) and the BBM that comes with it. Because you really can't do much on these phones. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I had one that was half touchscreen, but there's no games. The internet doesn't really work. Um, and you had this fantastic, you had this fantastic 
internet service that came with the with the cell providers where you got this unlimited internet for like a certain amount per month. I think it was like 30 rand a month for those of you listening in the US that's like less than $2 per month unlimited internet. It was called BIS, I think, BlackBerry Internet Service. Anyway, so here I was, I got my phone, right? And uh, there wasn't, this was before Instagram really took off. There's no, you can't get Instagram on these phones. And the only social media you really have is like uh, just BBM, which is a instant messaging service for those of you that never had contact with it. But basically what I proceeded to do was become like the most basic 2013 person you could be. Um, and my, my dad was never a fan of me doing this, but I would go download these, <laughs> download, I would pirate these songs, you know, uh, Hot and Cold by Katy Perry. That's when I remember. Um, I remember there's, I don't know if anybody remembers this song, but I distinctly remember playing a lot on that phone. It was called, uh, it was by someone called like Rixton, I think. It's called Me and My Broken Heart. Um, and then just all those kind of, a lot of them were female singers. Just, I remember the heart wants what it wants by Selena Gomez. Super basic, not something I'm proud of, not a time in my life I'm proud of. Um, the only artist that I was into then that I would say I still like is Taylor Swift. But yeah, I mean, she's in a a different artistic bracket, I think, to Selena Gomez. So I think the first band that I actually sort of downloaded or pirated or however I got it, and it was like an actual band. It wasn't just like random, you know, pop music that you find in the, you know, the Dua Lipas of 2013, was probably the script. Um, And I remember this was a... I don't know. I can't remember if my dad got the uh, got the CDs first, but we, we had these CDs in our in our car for like, I mean, we still have them. I, I don't think they ever left that car. So, uh, the script albums those are those are things that I I know almost to a T. I know every single song because my dad never changed out the CD in the car. So <laughs> we we had a we had a couple of the other one is like One Republic, um, Native. You know the one with with all the, the good One Republic songs and the script. There was a U2 CD um, and some Red Hot Chili Peppers ones. But the script is uh, probably the first band that I came to really appreciate. And it, it didn't help. I mean, it didn't uh, it didn't detract from me liking it. That there was a girl that I liked at the time that was quite fond of the script. Um, so for the remainder of that year, I don't, I don't know. I kind of, that was grade eight, so... I was I was I would turn fourteen that year, and then I made uh, friends with uh, one of my well I guess one of my one of my oldest friends, um, my first real uh, friend in high school, uh, Jordan Osman, and he he's a big metal guy like a big uh, well at least he was at the time like I remember he used to just walk around in these Metallica and like. Iron Maiden and Megadeth shirts, and that was the only stuff he would wear. And we gave him a hard time about it. And, he, and then he switched it out for a, a, a white button down uh, <laughs> about halfway through high school. But basically, I would say 
I, I was kind of now going into all the stuff that my dad was playing in the car. So at this time, I was kind of still pirating everything. But it was all like ACDC, Eagles, uh, Aerosmith, um, Van Halen. I remember when we discovered Van Halen. I think the first song I pirated was... Uh, it wasn't dreams. It wasn't jump. It was uh, it was hot for teacher. You know, a classic uh, head banging Van Halen song. And yeah, I like those bands for. Well, I would say I really liked them. I, I still I still enjoy them, but I would say I really liked those bands during that time. And I I don't know. I thought I was really alternative. Oh, Green Day, right? So. I had this weird fascination with Green Day at this time, and I had missed the boat by a couple of years. Green Day was not like at their peak of their popularity, but I was super into Green Day at this time, and I had a birthday party where I actually tried to dress up as the front man, Billy Joe Armstrong, and oh, it did not turn out well. I had like, I had like white makeup on to make me look like paler than I was, which I am pretty pale. So I don't know why I did that. And then, so yeah, Green Day and like all these sort of like eighties rock band stuff. I mean, I kind of got into a little bit like Blink-182 Nirvana, but never, I was never too much of a fan of Nirvana. Um, and I don't know, I kind of, I guess it was, I, because I just never been really, engaged in music that much I kind of had this aversion to anything current so I was kind of reaching back into the 80s 90s 70s Led Zeppelin etc etc um and then I would say in the end of grade nine sort of early grade 10 so how old was I this is reaching into my like 16th uh my 16th year on this earth I started getting into rap. I, I gave it a chance. I mean, I, I was never a fan of it before, but, you know, I started listening to, like, Yellow Wolf, and uh, many of you wouldn't know who Yellow Wolf is, but, um, like, Eminem, and, uh, yeah, some, some rap at that stage, and also, this was the start of when I started listening to a little bit of country, and this was, again, nothing current. I think I actually found the country that I did listen to kind of, you know, back channel through the, through the eighties rock stuff. You know, I was reaching into like Alabama, which is uh, a lot rockier. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it's a country band, so it wasn't really, you know, three chords in the truth kind of country, but I don't know what it is. Um, like when I listen to rap, I can't, like, I think there's a reason why, aside from other things, but I think rappers that grow up in, like, really crummy situations and, like, in the hood and they're, you know, they're selling drugs when they're, like, 14 and they're, like, having to deal with people being shot, et cetera, et cetera, that is just not as relatable to, you know, kids in the suburbs. And I think that's why people like Eminem and um, like G-Eazy and uh, 
logic and just people that didn't or don't take as like a, I, I think Eminem is a bad example, but basically what I'm getting at is it's more metaphorical. In other words, you're not talking about like actually, not every song is about like selling drugs and, you know, running away from the police or whatever. A lot of it's about like struggling to, I mean, it's hard to make it as a musician. So I think that's very relatable, especially it's kind of cringe, but um, like, I don't know what it is about g Easy's music, but it's like super relatable to like me in, in like being motivational in the way that a lot of other rappers, like when they, you know, talk about their come up or whatever, are just not, they just don't speak to me that way. And it's the same thing with country music, kind of. I mean, there's good, there's good, like, you know, country party songs, like, uh, I mean, there's a ton. If you've ever listened to country radio, you'll know in the past five years. But I think it's, it's like artists like Luke Combs that really speak to you and you can, they use really descriptive words that you can reach into their life because I'm obviously it's not my life. Um, I'm not by any means. Uh, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs of Africa, so it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't speak to me in a literal sense, but I don't know. There's something that is just very, that I just love about country music. Um, and the Southern accent, especially, it's something that I don't know what it is. I, I just love the accent. And I started, yeah, I started really getting into country music the last three or four years of my life or so. And to the point where now, really all I listen to is like hip hop, rap. And there might be a few sort of songs that creep in, you know, you like them, they're cool or whatever. But the only new music that I like listen to, like I watch the new releases, is probably hip hop and country. And I mean, you have to say there's not really any difference between pop and hip hop at this point. So, and I, honestly, I don't know what other genres really are still releasing music, actually, which is kind of strange. But I mean, I don't know. It's just, I, I just love the the multifacets of country there's people say country's all the same that is complete garbage there is there's country songs that are like you know sweet like what we call boyfriend country like just you know putting these guys putting their significant others on a pedestal etc cetera, etc cetera. then there's like the gritty like uh the thunder rolls by garth brooks it's a uh, you know, it's about this guy cheating and not coming home. And and then there's drinking country songs, which have gotten a lot more popular in recent years, you know. I mean, just this year, last year came out, Thomas Rhett and John Party. Uh, nothing, uh, what's it called? Uh, ain't nothing that a beer can't fix. And it's just, a lot of it's funny. It's, it's witty. And that's the great thing about country music is there's no, like you don't have to put it all out there. You don't have to say exactly what you mean. There's still that poetic, uh, there's still that poetic artistry of 
describing something without describing it exactly. A lot of metaphor. And a lot of using everyday things. A lot of pop music has just gotten so repetitive. But if you listen to some good country artists, you can you can pick up on little things that you might not even know what they are, but it can spark a... It just makes it feel a lot more personal. Um, because the, the reality is when you're, when you're writing country music, you're writing it, for the most part, about real life. You're writing about your actual experiences. And it might be... It might... It might get a little repetitive, and that's a fair criticism. Um, there's only so much songs you can write about beer and trucks and uh, cowboy boots and skin-tight jeans, etc., etc., uh, Friday and Saturday nights. But the thing is, that's what that's what we do when we're growing up. We're not out. I mean, there's so many. I, I honestly feel like there's so many rappers and, and other artists that, are talking about things that they don't do and aren't relatable to the vast majority of people. I think a song about trying to buy beer underage or, you know, uh, saving to buy a car or a truck when you're a kid in high school or about how your, how your wife left me. Um, me. <laughs> I have no wife. Um, about how your wife left you. I mean... That's one of the greatest songs, Lucille by Kenny Rogers, who just passed away. Rest in peace. But I don't know what it is. And obviously there's there's mainstream forces, there's industry forces that try and strap this creative creativity and take it away. Um, the the abysmal existential bogeyman of country music. Someone like Blanco Brown, who comes in there and makes these like they're supposed to be like viral TikTok songs where he kind of mixes he has some thing is you don't need to be from the country to make country music, but you can't just throw like a little banjo behind and then start rapping or something about like really, really shallow things and expect that to work. Hopefully. But some of these Nashville executives really think that that's what they can do. And I might do a segment on that later, but I mean, just to round this off, I mean, also people say, okay, so, you know, you listen to, you know, a couple things, but I mean, honestly, I'll throw on a, I'll throw on a forties, like a forties playlist while I'm cooking dinner. Uh, something like you might hear in the soundtrack to Inglorious Bastards, or I'll put on some soul, um, or like even some Neo soul, um, like, I love some Marvin Gaye or uh, what's his name now? Um, I'm trying to think about what his name is. He is, is honestly probably the best in the genre at this, at this time. But I'm trying to think of his name. It is – hold on with me, guys. I'm just looking this up. Anderson Pog. Oh my gosh, this guy is great. Um, like he's making like what I feel is really true to the roots of soul, but with a modern twist. And I mean, there's other people. There's Leon Bridges who did a duet with Luke Combs. And I'll even throw in some classical once in a while. 
I'll throw on some. Uh, I like the romantic stuff. I like Chopin. Um, I don't like the the true like classical or baroque much, but I mean I'll throw on like uh, folk songs. I love I love Celtic folk, Irish folk. Um, honestly, I wish there were places that still had like you go to a you go to like a tavern or something and they get up on the table and start fiddling away. If anybody wants to do that or start a start a tavern with me, I'm totally game to do that one day. Oh shit! Looks like I'm running out of time. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to. I don't know if this is an interesting segment, but it might be interesting to to hear about sort of how you can develop all of these different appreciations for different kinds of music, all in a relatively short space of time, about six six or uh, seven years or so, from the age of about thirteen to uh, nineteen. So what's that? No, that's only yeah six years. So. I think that'll be it for this episode. It went a little bit over time. Um, please tune in tomorrow. I think that's going to be a great, a great episode. I have a lot that I want to talk about that um, can be really relevant for us, especially in the U.S. If we're voting for the first time, I know I'm going to vote for the first time in this November, and it's not going to be, you know, it's not the best choices on the table, but. I think there's some stuff I'd like to share and some opinions that might be relevant for anyone in that situation, or even if you're not in the U.S. Just, I mean, you need to you need to get involved in politics. That's how young people are always complaining, but that's how you get in. That's how you get stuff that you are always complaining about on Instagram to happen. You got to vote, and it does no use if you just don't vote. So, I look forward to that. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. And we're actually all available now on Apple Music, so you can subscribe on there. Just look up The State of Us, Emerald Camus Bateman. You've got to type in both in order to bring it up. Uh, please subscribe on there. I think that's a much smoother listening experience. I don't think anybody really has Anchor, the app, um, unless you're a very devoted fan. In that case, thank you very much. So... Without further ado, I'd like to wish you a good day if you're here in the U.S. or a good early morning if you're in South Africa. But I'll see you tomorrow with my friend Lucas.